3: Ready for all of Saturday's Betting Action. This is Saturday Bet Prep on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: And welcome in, fight friends. Our number two Saturday Bet Prep He's Greg Hoops Peterson. Follow him on Twitter at GUnit underscore81. You can follow myself at Dan LeachDTM. You can follow our next guest at Rob It's the co-host of the All Eyes Podcast. Because all eyes are on him, Tupac style. It's Rob Sam Donaldson. Rob, how you feeling?
6: I'm feeling great, man. Thank you Thank you, guys for having me on.
5: Well, you're, you're coming on during one of the great times of the year. I mean, to me, of course, we love the NFL. We love the start of Major League Baseball. There's no better period of time, in my opinion, than March Madness. And obviously, we're needing even the hoopla, needing even the conference tournament slate. We got games going on right now. But, of course, Selection Sunday, 40 or so whatever hours away. And I just to, to start off with you here, when you look at where we're at with this year's tournament, and it's something that I have brought up a lot. I mean, in years past, we've had, like, a team or two that we knew were the two best teams in the country. Now, to mm-hmm. me, it seems like you've got a, a Alabama off the field or off the court issues. You've got a Kansas team. Obviously, their coach is no longer going to be around for the Big 12 tournament with some health problems. you got a UCLA team that's got their awards. You've got – a Houston team that at times has looked like the best team in the country, probably the most this season. But to you, who is the team you trust the most right now to go all the way?
6: Man, none of them. Um, I think that's Ah. a safe answer. If there's any year for parity, it's this one, right? I mean, there's going to be a lot of sevens making runs. There's going to be a lot of six seeds making runs. You know, it's just, it's a great time. And yeah, I, I like that there's no solidified number one. But if I do have to pick one team, even with their injury attrition, I'm going UCLA. I just think they have the perfect balance in their front court and back court. And that just feels like a complete team to me. So I would go UCLA there.
7: Yep, I'm right there with you. And how much are you going to be looking at just the matchups themselves before you perhaps place a few features, before you perhaps just take a look at things from a wide view? Because I do think that this is going to be a year that really rewards. Those that handicap matchup by matchup when it comes to both futures and obviously game to game betting as well. Because I do think that this is just one of those seasons where every single team, they've got their fatal flaw and every single team has their strengths as well when they're at the top.
6: Yeah, absolutely. I think we're seeing it with teams like Vanderbilt tonight where they are missing their big man, Leon Robbins, but they have a great guard play. Usually people want to take those great guards in, in March, but. They always have there's teams right now with great guards that just are not complete and have a lot of weaknesses and can really throw themselves out of games if they're they have the wrong matchup. So I absolutely agree. I think this is definitely a year where you can't just blindly say that's the team I want to ride with. You kind of got to see who their draw is.
5: Talking with the co-host of the All Eyes podcast, Rob Donaldson. Check out his stuff on YouTube at either at Rob DfB or you can just type in Rob Donaldson and get right to the greatness. Rob, I want to throw a team at you here, and I have a future on them, seven and a half to one, to make the Final Four. I know they lost earlier tonight in a the game. They had so many chances maybe to make it much closer late against Texas. But TCU, talk about good guard play. You look at Miles Jr., look at Baugh, look at the way they're coached by Jamie Dixon, who's had a lot of success, obviously, going back to his Pittsburgh days. Never obviously won the whole thing, but a coach that knows what it takes to go on a run through the tournament. TCU, where do you feel uh, you know their ceiling is? Because I feel like if they get hot and have the right bracket, uh, and the right, you know, kind of way in the path through, they can make a deep run of this tournament.
6: Absolutely. And obviously, they are a physical team, even without A. Lampkin down there. But, right. man, I, I, they are a confusing team because when Mike Miles is out of the lineup, as we saw at the beginning of the year and in kind of that middle part of the season, they looked really susceptible on, on the offense side of ball. They were really flat at times. He came back. They had a little bit of an issue at, initially, but then they kind of figured it out again. So... It's just a matter of, can you trust them when you need a shot made is Mike miles, your guy, and you're going to lean on him. I, I don't know. I I think he's a great player, but if you need, if you're down, say five points in the last 40 seconds, can they make a three? That's I think where it kind of boils down to with TCU for me. And I think it's so interesting to take a look at these teams
7: as well, because when it comes to March, I always lean towards defensive teams just a little bit more, not that, you need to have a team that is in the top five nationally in terms of just defensive efficiency or anything like that. But are there some teams that you take a look at and you think, man, they just don't play enough of it. Because I take a look at a team like, for instance, I'm going to poke holes at the Big Ten year And Iowa that is just always known for not playing defense. And those are the teams I absolutely want to avoid with regards to my bets along with my bracket come March.
6: Yeah, absolutely agree. And I think team like Iowa, and I am actually an Iowa fan, is a perfect example of just kind of that volatility that, yeah, they can catch lightning in a bottle, but they can come out and shoot 25% from three-point range, and it t- entirely derails their their structure of trying to win a game. So I absolutely agree. I, I think that you have to have a defensive component to keep you in the game if you are having an off night.
5: I'll tell you this, after my Wolverines uh, got their – you know, butts and by Rutgers. I'm giving up on the Big Ten, I'm just kidding. I might be the best second best conference, but I'm so frustrated uh, with what happened with Juwan Howard and the, the squad this year that, you know, the Big Ten, uh, it's such a great conference and a team like Iowa, you know, obviously we saw what happened with the big upset last year. If they get it going, they can be a team that goes forward, but you never know with some of these squads. I want to, you know, ask you about these kind of teams, Mike, when you look at teams, maybe lost early in their conference tournament, maybe a Michigan State, for example, a team like that, not specifically Michigan State, but they lost to Ohio State somehow, a team that maybe will fly under the radar that will have a chance as maybe a seven seed, an eight seed, a nine seed, a 10 seed, maybe one of the teams that's going to get in on the bubble a Rutgers, a Utah state, ASU, whatever that you're looking at, that maybe is kind of flying under the radar that will still be a, a team that people know, but maybe not a team that people are picking to go further than a lot of people, you know, expect them to go.
6: Yeah. And I think you can hit the nail on the head on who my team would be in that instance. It's Michigan state. I mean, they have the depth, they have the guard play, they have good role players. I mean, they can really kind of work in any way. And Maggie Sissoko, I think, gets disrespected as a big down low. But sure. those hyper-athletic kind of um, high-energetic bigs in, in tournament play do actually end up paying off. So Michigan State would be my team that if I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to blindly take a 7 and 8 or somebody in that kind of line, that would be my team I would go with.
7: We and- got
5: Tommy Izzo, Greg. I mean, that's you got to love Tommy Izzo.
6: And I do think
7: that coaching is so big when it comes to March as well. And how many times haven't we seen a Michigan State team that doesn't necessarily have the world's highest seed be able to make a run in March? So I like that answer as well. But something else I always take a look at is some of these teams that they come into the NCAA tournament in relatively good form. I recognize that this is a team that lost on Friday, but I take a look at the way that UConn is rounded into form once again, because they completely fall off the map when it came to late January, after many people were thinking that they were either the one first or second best team in all of college basketball, and their team that I'm beginning to feel a little bit warmer about because we just talked about trusting in teams that play defense. I know that with UConn, they're going to do a good job with their rebounding and defense. What are your overall thoughts on UConn? Because it feels like they're, they're starting to refine that mojo that they had in non-conference play.
6: Yeah, I think UConn's a great team. I was kind of low on them, and I thought maybe they had peaked too early in the season in non-com play, but after a little bit of a little skid there for four or five games, they really started to turn it up, and even during that stretch in the Big East when they were a little bit skidding, a lot of those were road games, and a lot of those games, they were still at least in it. So, yeah, I think UConn's a great example of a team catching fire at the right time, and they obviously have the talent and the athleticism to make a run. Just a matter of, you know, can we trust them to you know continually score through both halves I mean we just saw it against Providence in that Big East game yesterday they were up 25 points and all of a sudden you know you blink and it's three minutes left in the game and it's a four-point game and we saw it against Seton Hall on the road we saw it a number of times with UConn so it's just a matter of just kind of consistently putting out offense there
5: joined by the co-host of the All Eyes podcast. Follow him on Twitter at RobDFB. It's Rob Donaldson. You can check out his YouTube as well. Just do a search for Rob Donaldson. I guess I I can't escape the Big Ten. I got to go back there for a minute here. Rob, and you look at Purdue, and you look at Matt Painter, and you look at Edie, and you look at, in fact, they're not going to be a one seed anymore, uh, very unlikely, but this is a team that has so many years had a chance to go really far, maybe win it all, and Perfect example last year, St. Peter's, Paul and Mary upset them way before they should have. When you look at Purdue this year, maybe is it better they're not going to be a one seed? Because I still believe they've got the makeup and obviously getting out of the Big Ten, such a tough conference back to, you know, you know, battling each and every night, no matter who you're playing, even if it's a team like Minnesota sometimes or the Buckeyes. Uh, it's just such a tough conference. Maybe the fact they're not going to be a one seed and not going to be looked at as one of the, you know, two or three or four favorites can that help Purdue? And, and do you have faith that Purdue doesn't get upset in the first or second round well before they should have this year? And maybe makes that run to the, the final four and possibly a national championship.
6: I, I don't think you can trust Purdue. I, I Again, kind of like with UConn, they have fallen flat in second halves a lot this season. And, you know, when you run through a big like that, you need to have at least guards that you can kick it out to and reliably make a three. That just hasn't been them, especially on the road and especially on neutral courts. So I wouldn't be one to trust Purdue, but I also think that maybe the um, first round upset or second round upset material is kind of a little bit overblown with them for sure.
7: And out of all the teams that are going to be on the one through three lines, let's call it. What do you think is the safest team to not fall victim of one of those good old St. Peter's oral Roberts upsets? Not necessarily the team that you'd like to be able to win the title, but the team that you think they're most bulletproof to one of these really bad upsets.
6: Yeah, I would say it's Houston. You know, I think they have the athleticism. I think they're well coached. I think they're a team that obviously is going to get a a 16 seed on a draw line. So I, I do think that Houston would be the team that would be most susceptible or least susceptible to getting upset, like a, like a Saint Peter's would.
5: Uh, great stuff, Rob. really appreciate you joining us here, and please check out Rob's stuff. Uh, again, follow on Twitter at RobDFB, YouTube at Rob Donaldson, and this, like, I, like we said, Rob, it's, there's no better time of year. And, I mean, it's wall-to-wall action, and I can't wait for us all to enjoy it together.
6: Yeah, bittersweet that's coming to an end, but we're getting to that point of the greatness. So I appreciate you guys for having me on.
5: I appreciate you. It's, uh, Greg, it's like you know, living in the Midwest during winter. It makes you appreciate the spring. It might be going away soon, but, boy, the journey's what it's all about, my friend, isn't it? It absolutely is. It makes those rough days all worth it. All right, great stuff with Rob Dallas. We'll be joined by Sean Hardy coming up next contributor at Live for the Mecca and Nick Film School. He's Greg Peterson. I'm Dan Leach, and this is Saturday Bat Prep on Beeson, the Sports Batting Network.
4: This is Saturday Bet Prep on VSIN, the
5: Sports Betting Network. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today and get everything you need to bet the badness this year for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket, betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game and every round of the tournament. Only VSIN Pro subscribers get unlimited access to our daily best bets, tools like our exclusive betting splits, plus our big dance bracket and betting guides. These guides feature in-depth breakdowns of all 68 teams cinderella selections who doesn't love those bracket predictions and picks on every tournament game from visa experts like brett musburger and my man and co-host tonight greg oops peterson sign up today to get the betting guides plus full access to VSEN through the end of the tournament for only 19 dollars at vcin.com slash subscribe and he is the aforementioned greg hoops peterson i'm dan leach this is his saturday Bet prep and we are joined by the great Sean Hardy, contributor at Live from the Mecca and the Nick Film School. I love school being spelled with the K, by the way. S-K-O-O-L Sean. You gotta do it like the young kids do. Great to have you on the program tonight.
8: Thank you for having me. And honestly, the only reason it's spelled that way because the original Nick's Film School Twitter account was suspended. So <laughs> there you uh, go. We, had to,
5: we had to switch it up. But you know, we'll take the we'll take the dab. Well, you know what? Let's start with those knickerbockers and you know, off the jump here, you look at them, they're 39-29. Obviously, they're not going to be able to get the first seed in the East, but they could get maybe, I mean, I guess possibly as high as the three. But you look at what they've done. I know they're 8-2 and two in their last 10, but they've lost a couple games in a row. They had that great win streak going. They're scoring 115 a game. They seem like the kind of team that could win a series or two and maybe get hot at the right time and, dare I say, get back to an NBA Finals. Because the Eastern Conference, I mean, you love the Bucs, you love the Celtics, you know the Sixers are a good team, but it's not like this year there's a team that really scares the the, the bejesus out of you. Could the Knicks do the unthinkable and make Spike Lee happy again and go on some kind of magical run?
8: A conference finals run is not out of the cards if things line up a certain way. Um it would have to be, we guess so right now we're in the five C I say we like I'm on the team. Uh, the Knicks are the five seed. Uh, they'll likely play Cleveland. We're two and a half behind Cleveland. To your point, I don't think we're going to catch Philly. We're six. We're six behind them. Right. So we beat. So let's say we beat them. Then we'd have to go up against. I well, now that we've taken three or four from the Celtics, the Celtics don't scare us. Uh, so you know, you get the Celtics, seven game series, what have you, and even the Bucks. And I don't think that we would beat the Bucks. But I, I've told anyone who will listen the Knicks' defensive scheme of walling off the paint and allowing threes to certain shooters is a perfect antidote for what Milwaukee wants to do. Cause Milwaukee has Giannis wants to get to the rim and they are, they are, last I checked, they're about 15th in the they're middle of the pack, 15th in the league in three point shooting. So that could be, that could be interesting. I still think Milwaukee won cause they have Giannis. We don't, but certain, If certain things line up, the conference finals appearance isn't that far-fetched.
7: And what I think is so interesting about the New York Knicks is that so much of their success has come on the road this year. As a matter of fact, they've won more games on the road than they have at home. Have you found any reason why they've been so successful on the road? Meanwhile, they've been 19 and 16 at home, which certainly isn't bad. But at the same time, they've been really one of the best road teams in all of the NBA this
8: year. That's something I have not been able to figure out. Uh, There was always, there's always been this running uh, narrative, uh, narrative, if you will, that uh, players, other. Everyone likes to play at MSG so we get everyone else's best shot, which is kind of true. But at the same time, I said to myself, well, if we're going to have that, then the, the Knicks need better players. Uh, they've actually turned it around recently, not getting to 19 and 16, because at one point they were under 500 on the road. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But for some reason, this team, I'll say this, this team plays hard every night. So I don't know if teams... Take us lightly, then they we should the Knicks show up and like oh we got this. Um, I think it like I don't I don't get it, but you know what? Uh, you listen if you want to go to if you want to have your Eastern Conference Finals run, you gotta win games on the gotta win games on the road.
5: Yep, and I'll tell you, Julius Randle, by the way, I mean, I love him. He's been such a huge factor. And if Julius Randle can keep taking over games, you never know what could happen. Obviously, in a, in a seven-game playoff series, we're joined by Sean Hardy, contributor live for the Mecca, the Knicks Film School, follow him on Twitter. at Sean with a W, because, Sean, you always win. Uh, I, I want to just throw this out. You know, the Knicks, that's sitting there. 25 to one to win the Easter Conference. I know it's a long shot because we talked about the Celtics and the Bucs and the Sixers, but when you look at the Easter Conference as a whole, obviously those are solid odds on a Knicks team that is kind of laying in wait and could, as Greg mentioned, obviously a, you know, a good team on the road. That's important in the playoffs. A lot of times people say, playoff series don't start until the, you know, the road team wins the first game. But you look at the Celtics short price plus 130 around that Bucks plus 185 Sixers plus 475. If you had to look at making a wager, obviously the Knicks are the long shot for a reason at 25 to one. What what of those teams do you trust the most? Is it worth taking the Knicks at you know 25 to one when you got everyone else except for the Sixers that's below two to one?
8: So I, it's funny. Uh, I actually, after after they beat Boston on Sunday, I grabbed the Knicks at thirty six to one to make the finals. Ooh, so yeah. interesting. Now it's at twenty five um, to one. Two, I would say, and I'm I have it pulled up here right now. I still think the Bucks are gonna win the championship. So them. At, uh, so I'd grab them. Boston is kind of shaky. I mean, Philly at last. I'm looking. I I've seen like them at plus seven fifty. I mean, that's good value because they have a MVP candidate. Uh, but then again, they also have James Harden in the playoffs and we don't, we know how that goes, but I really, I listen. I think Milwaukee wins the championship last year. If Chris Middleton is healthy. So him being back this year, him grinding the shape, shape and they have Giannis, uh, if gun to my head, I had to put one team to come out the East. I'm going for Milwaukee.
7: I do think that you're right on there with the Milwaukee bucks. If they have Chris Middleton, that Eastern conference, that looks a little bit different last year, but over in the other conference, the Western Conference, it just feels like it's a mess right now. We feel like we know a little bit of something about the East. With the Bucks and the Celtics being those top two teams, Knicks have been able to ascend. The Cleveland Cavaliers are a little bit of a pesky young team as well. But what do you make out of just the entirety of the Western Conference? Because now with Kevin Durant being hurt, it's very murky as to what we're going to be able to get out of the Phoenix Suns moving forward.
8: Absolutely. I've been calling the Western Conference a conference of mid all season, because even right now I'm looking. So the Lakers won tonight. The Lakers are in ninth. They're a game out of six. Mm -hmm. They could be in sixth place by Sunday um, or in a tie for six. Same same record. Uh, I felt like a team with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and, you know, Chris Paul, although he's obviously up there in age, should be the clear cut favorite. But to your point, it's just like. Listen, we're talking about the Knicks making the conference finals. The Kings can make the conference finals. If they get the right draw, I mean, they're going to have to win every game 159, 158, but I mean, you have the Clippers lurking and Lord knows with load management and everything, but they still have Ka- uh, Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, the the West is is a complete, and they, listen, the defending champs are seventh in the playing right now. Uh, so if you ask me to who am I looking at, I think I like to say, and I didn't make this up, obviously, but the simplest answer is often the right answer, and the best team in the Western Conference might be the team that wins the Western Conference, and that's the Denver Nuggets.
5: Yeah, Occam's Razor. Simplest explanation must be true. You, you look at the Western Conference, and, and you mentioned the you know, the, the Duran issue out for at least three weeks. It looked like everything was going to come together when they got him, and obviously you hurt yourself in the That sucks. They are still the favorite to win the West at plus 230. But a team that I've been on for before the season started out that I've been trying to, like, you know pat myself on the back it wasn't like a, uh, I'm on a ledge here I know they're having issues with Morant stuff off the court it looks like that's not going to be maybe as bad as it could have been who knows nine to one to win the West obviously good number to win the NBA title I picked him to win it before the season I'm not I'm not switching now what about the, the Memphis Grizzlies and John Morant getting through this sort of kind of tough, you know, part of his young career and maybe leading a team, uh, you know, maybe kind of re them and gets them ready for a big playoff run. Because that's a team that can play defense, they share the ball well, they can shoot it well, and John Moran obviously can score 40 points any night.
8: So I have a theory that um, if, you're, if the third best player in your team is a 3-and-D wing who shoots 39% from the field, you're not going to win the championship, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies. And and that player is Dylan Brooks, who yep. had a, had a time, who had a great night last night. But I, I you, I I just don't see it from. I don't see it from Memphis. I think. Listen, nine to one is great value. So I'm glad you got that. I personally don't see it from Memphis. Uh, if I'm gonna look at a, if I'm gonna look at a quote unquote long shot, you know, some value. I mean, Lakers the clip Clippers just because of who they have of Kawhi and the other one. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but these Lakers, man, like just when, (laughs) just when every time you think they're done, they, they, they they stick their hand up out of the grave and like again in this conference of mid they get Le, they get LeBron back two and a half weeks they have AD they have defense they have shooting now they ended the Westbrook uh, um, experiment I mean I don't think it's gonna happen but if you're looking for if you're looking for long shots look for dart throws I'd look at the Lakers um but then again like Occam Occam's razor the Nuggets is just staring you right in the face
5: Yeah, LeBron James has won a title or two. Sean Hardy, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to talking to you again. Enjoy the rest of the way through the playoffs of the NBA. Thank you for having me. There he is. Sean Hardy. Follow him on Twitter at Sean with a W. He's Greg Peterson. I'm Dan Leach. This is Saturday Brad Rapid. This is VSI, the Sports Met Network.
3: This is Saturday Bet Prep on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: DraftKings Sportsbook is live. Bet local at Boston's hometown Sportsbook. This week, new customers who sign up and bet five bucks get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Who doesn't love that? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code V-CIN, VSIN, V S I N, when you sign up. He is Greg Peterson. I am Dan Leach. You can follow Greg on Twitter at gunit underscore 81. Myself, and Dan Leach, DTM. And, and by the way, I want to clean up something with our great friend, Sean Hardy. Uh, his Twitter is actually at Sean with a W underscore, because Greg, as we know in the Twitter business, there are a lot of Twitter thieves out there, and someone took Sean with a W. So he's got to do oh. Sean with a W underscore, which, to be honest, I think makes Sean Hardy even cooler than he was before he came on tonight.
7: Oh, absolutely, and I still remember when I was getting on Twitter many, many years ago, I was trying to find something that was like Greg Peterson, what have you. The owner of Greg Peterson, like, never, ever tweets, so if you're the actual Greg <laughs> Peterson out there, I am open for business. I am willing to make a deal to be able to get it, but you know what? Everyone just knows me as G Unit underscore 81, so you know what? It has stuck, so you get what you get, and... It's not the man, that, it's not the Twitter handle that makes the man. It's the man that makes the you, Twitter handle.
5: You better believe it. By the way, someone stole my Twitter. It was DTM Leach early on in my uh, media career, and they I don't even know who they are. They just hacked into my Twitter and stole it. But luckily, oh. the Detroit Pistons helped me get back my other Twitter. So grateful to the, the, the Pistons. And good stuff, by the way, again, from Sean Hardy on the NBA. But let's get back into some college basketball here, Greg. We'll talk some golf. The Players' Championship was uh, delayed and obviously postponed till tomorrow morning, or if you're in the East Coast now, the morning because uh, of some inclement weather. So they'll finish the second round early in the morning, and they think they're going to start – the uh, third run around 10, 40, or 50 a.m. on uh, Point of Vandera, Florida time. But we've got some games still in action here, and Greg uh, Peterson's feeling good about one of them. Me, not so much. We wanted to try to middle it like we did the TCU-Texas game, uh, but Greg's got Arizona minus uh, 7.5, and, and they're up by 13 over Arizona State right now, uh, with 4.06 left now in the second half. So that one looking good in the, uh, the column of Arizona, and Greg... Uh, You look at Balo, the center for Arizona, 14 and nine and three blocks. I don't want to say Arizona is a forgotten team because obviously they're top 10. They're going to be in the Pac-12 championship game against UCLA. They're not forgotten. But do you think that maybe they're not being talked about as much or enough as a team that really has a chance to win the national championship?
7: I do think so because they've got all the tools that you really need for a title contender. They've got some relatively solid depth. Kirk Carissa obviously is a little bit of a polarizing figure, but I do think that they there's many people out there that give him a little bit of a bad rap for the way that he played in the NCAA tournament last year. And What I try to remind people is that Kirk Carisa should not have been out there to start with. The coaches should have protected him from himself. He was not 100%. He was not even close to 100%, so that's not the real Kirk Carisa, but they brought in Courtney Ramey via the transfer portal line. These are the sort of teams I really like to be able to make a run in the NCAA tournament. Teams that they've had a lot of the same core for a few years because Tubelas, Umar Balo, Kirk Krisa, they were all on that lineup last season, but they brought in those one or two pieces to be able to help out. Courtney Ramey, Cedric Henderson Jr. to go along with what was already rock solid. And these are typically the teams that win in March. Teams that have been around for two to three years with each other, and then they pick up that one important piece by the transfer portal, I- Look no further than North Carolina last year. North Carolina had really four of the five guys that were left over from the last year of the Roy Williams regime. They bring in Brady Manic. Boom. They go on a big run. Granted, we found out that they were probably quite a bit charmed during that run. But I do think that experience and guys that have good chemistry, that wins in March.
5: Yeah, and Tommy Lloyd has those guys playing well, the man with two first names. And you know, kinda in the stat that I, I brought up earlier, Greg Perdue. You know, they're not going to be a one seed, very unlikely they are, and Arizona's not going to be a one seed, very unlikely they would be. I mean, I guess you never know the committee could do something crazy, I doubt it. But being on the two line sometimes isn't the worst thing, and they're sitting out there 17-1 to 1 right now to win it all. And, Greg, on the Pac-12, I mean, obviously people belittle it sometimes in football, even though now the conference is being blown up, and we're getting UCLA and USC in the Big Ten. But you look at basketball, yeah, they might not be good deep, you know, towards the bottom like the Big Ten, and the Big 12 is in, in more of a factor uh, than the Pac-12. But at the top, with teams like UCLA and Arizona, obviously Arizona State, playing their way in, I mean, the, the Pac-12's got some good action. I mean, I know it's out you know late-night West Coast games that a lot of East Coast people get to watch them. I think people don't realize how good Arizona can be, how well-coached they are, and all the points you brought up. They're kind of, the, the I would say, the prototypical built tournament team that if they're playing at their optimal best, there's no one they can't beat, Greg. right?
7: I do agree. And with Arizona, how many non-conference losses did they have? Zero. All Zero. their losses came against teams within the Pac-12. Now, there is a similarity to a lot of these teams. A lot of these teams, they do like to slow it down a little bit more. A team like a Washington State, heck, that bad loss against Stanford, that cannot happen. But you can slow down Arizona, and that's something that I always do look for because it is easier to slow a team down. Than it is to speed one up in my opinion in college basketball but i do take a look at this arizona team they've got rebounding they've got relatively solid guard play they've been playing better with their defense since the calendar turned to 2023 so this is an arizona team that has that prototypical makeup of a team that they could be able to go far in march but you do have that one issue with them being shown that they can be slowed down a little bit by some of these teams that they have that slow grimy style which does leave them susceptible if they get that wrong matchup.
5: Yeah, Greg, just to further the point, as you brought up the, you know, no losses in the non-conference, how about these teams they beat that are in the tournament and that are some teams that are going to be high seeds? Uh, San Diego State, they won by 17, beat Creighton, beat Indiana by 14, beat Tennessee by five. I mean, it's a pretty darn good resume. That I mean, Even myself, I'd forgotten some of those earlier wins, so maybe a team that's being slept on a little bit more than they should. We'll see how they are seated and uh, what their bracket looks like coming up uh, in the next couple of days, Selection Sunday. Uh, About to be under two and a half minutes to play in the WAC semi. I would say it all night, I might as well say it here, the Hercules Tire WAC tournament (laughs) semis. I don't know what the Hercules Tires are. They sound great. 82-74, Greg, Utah Valley. They were a 25-17 this year. Actually, Southern Utah has made a a three so it's 82 77 under two minutes to play or under uh, three minutes to play now when you look at these two teams uh you know obviously it looks like utah valley is going to win this one if utah valley ends up winning the whack uh are they a team that we should look at that is getting hot at the right time I mean, they did win 25 games during the season they were 15 to 3 in conference if they find a way to win the conference tournament what do you think about their chances as being maybe a, a one or two round winner
7: i do think that they're a team that can be able to win a game or two in the NCAA tournament because they've got, and I'm always going to say his name wrong, Aziz Spendogo down low. He's been able to give the team right around three blocks per contest. And what I love about this Utah Valley team, they play defense. They've already knocked off BYU this season. I recognize that they don't necessarily have a win against like some juggernaut top 25 team, but they have played relatively solid all season long. They've got some good backcourt play in which, They've been together for quite a while. This is a well-coached team. 23rd in the country is Utah Valley entering into the night in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. I was hoping for Sam Houston State on the whack because for Sam Houston State, they lose the Grand Canyon because Grand Canyon went berserk from three. They went 16-30. They lose that game by two. They won the offensive rebound battle. They won the turnover battle. They committed fewer fouls. They just ran into a Grand Canyon team on the wrong night. But that was a team that had knocked off Oklahoma and Utah, both in true road environments. So that's a little bit of a bummer. But being able to get Utah Valley in, I think that that's big. Because for the whack, I felt like they needed to get in one of those two teams, Utah Valley or Sam Houston State.
5: Yeah, a for-profit school, Grant Canyon, just feels wrong. Just kidding. You look at Utah Valley State, by the way, Greg, they're averaging almost uh, 77 points a game. And they get in. Uh, they can score uh, a couple other games that are headed towards the end of the finish here in the Big West Championship Semi. It's UC Santa Barbara 80, UC Riverside 75 under two minutes to play there. That comes down to the wire and Greg, it looks like this one's coming down to the wire as well. In the Mountain West, we expected it to be that way. This line was kind of volleyball around Utah State minus two, then one and a half back to two, et cetera, et cetera. Boise State, though, up by two. Speaking of two. 47-45 halfway through the second half. And, uh, you know, we talked about Utah State being a bubble team that maybe can make some hay for the first four. Boise State, you had mentioned, could maybe make a run, uh, you know, based on just the kind of team they are. This is a fascinating game and two fascinating teams.
7: Yep, they are complete opposites of one another. And this is going to be so interesting to see what happens because for Utah State, they've been discussed by a lot of people as being in that last four in, first four out. Me personally, I think that both of these teams Should get in because both of these teams, they've done what a lot of the Big Ten teams on the bubble have not done. Actually won games rather than saying, oh, we didn't lose to Team X, Team Y. They've won out there. They've been able to put it all together. But I really do like this Boise State team. I really want to see them win this game because their team, I think, is going to be very dangerous. Not a team with a lot of depth, but they've got a lot of good top-flight talent. Greg, isn't that nice
5: when teams are on the bubble? actually win games instead of losing them oh that's you i'm talking what about you michigan concept. thanks a lot son yeah. of a wolverines all right we'll look at next year he's greg peterson i'm dan leach this is a saturday bet prep on twitter at g underscore 81 and myself at dan leach dtm we'll talk some players championship coming up next right here on vcent the sports betting network
3: This is Saturday Bet Prep on V the Sports Betting Network.
5: Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is the place to be. You can win up to $10,000 in bonus money instantly by playing our exclusive Bet Rivers squares this basketball season. Place qualifying bet and you get a square on the house. The numbers on your square match, the final score of the game, you win. It's that simple. Restrictions on qualifying wagers, eligible bonus. And credit use, full terms and conditions, available at BetRiversquares.com. He is the great Greg Peterson. Follow him on Twitter at GUnit underscore 81. I am Dan Leach here in Motown. Follow me on Twitter at Dan DTM And Greg, uh, let's throw some golf into the mix here. I know we both love uh, you know, playing the uh pars and the birdies and the eagles, not bogeys as much, <laughs> but I've been reading a lot lately of people I respect that cover golf that are getting annoyed with the PGA and having to have cuts. And I know that, you know, the 14 designated events, and a lot of those are non-cut events, and, you know, they're adding, obviously, much more money and and trying to not not compete with Liv. (laughs) Liv's never going to, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think Liv's never going to last, just going to have money thrown at it. But, obviously, there's no-cut tournaments on Liv, three rounds, 54 holes. But it seems like this year, just the start so far in a few tournaments, that have had cuts we've had chaos and it's going to happen this time of the year whether in california or in florida where there's going to be weather that you know causes issues or a frost delay like we had a a few weeks back but i wonder does it bother you because it doesn't really bother me but it seems like a lot of like e- even some of the newer golf riders younger millennial type golf riders and especially the old school ones are starting to say listen why are we screwing around with having all these events that have cuts? Let's just have no cut events, maybe some smaller fields. Everyone gets a paycheck and we don't have to have these quagmires where you're playing, you know, third rounds or second rounds on the final day, second rounds on the third day. Is that something that bothers you? Cause it doesn't really bother me, but it seems like it bothers a lot of people.
7: No, because I mean, it's just natural with golf. If you have two really bad rounds, you're 10 shots out of the lead. I mean, you deserve to be cut, and it gives a little bit of exclusivity or it gives a little bit more just opportunity as well because we saw last week a 300-to-1 shot being able to win an event. If you shorten some of these fields, you're not going to find as many of those guys that are able to get their opportunity, and sometimes those are some of the best stories that we find with these tournaments as well. Not so much last year, but two years ago, we saw a whole bunch of guys really being able to win as north of 50 to 1 shots a lot of these events. So I would rather have a little bit of a larger field, but have cuts and Plus, that puts a little bit more pressure. That puts a little bit more skin in the game for some of these guys that they are eight or nine shots back. And they know, man, I've got to get my butt in gear or else I'm going to get cut.
5: Well, yeah, listen, I did win $3 million last week. on Kurt Kitayama, yeah, and I was I woke up from my dream at some point in the morning. Uh, I had Victor Hovland and Rory pre-tournament, and I thought one of those two was going to win. But obviously, you give credit to Kitayama, who obviously had some issues uh, with, a, I think it was a triple bogey early in that final round and found his way all the way back, and a great win for him, one of the guys that seems to be beloved, the project on the uh, PGA Tour. But, you know, once again, Greg, I know you're the master of Kyle Chutes, but I'll tell you, As fun as it is to bet on college hoops and football and other sports, I still think there's no better value than betting on golf. If you are able to, you got to be patient because you're going to lose a lot. But if you cash, like last year I got lucky, I cashed 10 outrights. And if you cash outrights and, you know, you have the right kind of guys, even if they are 15 or 20 to 1, but especially like you mentioned, the 300 to 1s or 50 to 1s, I think the best I had last year was an 85 to 1, you're going to win a lot of money. And there's also, as, as you brought up earlier in the show, Live betting, whether it's in basketball or football, and obviously golf as well. There are so many advantages to being able to, to, to do a live bet in a golf tournament. And let's kind of talk about where we're at. As, as I mentioned, you know, the inclement weather ended up uh, ending and postponing the second round uh, around 4 or 5 o'clock Eastern time. So they're going to finish that in the morning, early in the morning in Florida, and then they're going to get the third round going, they believe, around uh, a little before 11 o'clock Eastern. And before they suspended play the South African Christian Bisenhut, uh was under on a day. He still has, he's through 14 holes, so he's still got uh, four holes left. He's minus eight, tied with Adam Svensson, the Canadian, uh, who was four under as well. He's got seven holes left, uh, and he's minus eight, tied for the lead, both shooting 68s in round number one. Ben Griffin, uh, he finished with a one under, but he's just two off the lead, minus six, along with Minwoo Lee and Colin Morikawa. And I want to start there because... I, I want to make a play for the rest of the weekend. I, I had uh, Max Homa and Keith Mitchell pre-tournament. Do either of them have a chance? Probably not, but I guess you never know. I mean, they're both around even. Cut's going to be plus one or plus two. And Max Homa, you know, I know you mentioned off-air, he's, uh, the king of California, but he can get it going. He looks like a, uh, the kind of player that can make a move on a, on a moving-type day. But when you look at Morikawa, I know he's plus one on the day, but he's still got seven holes left. He shot a 65 in day one. His stroke games approach numbers are off the charts. He should have won earlier this year when he blew it and gaffed it away to John Rahm. But you look at at Morikawa right now at around five or so to one. I mean, I'm looking at him as a guy with a ton of value, and I'm also looking at the youngster Minwoo Lee, who just metrically has had some incredible stuff uh, as as a really young player on the tour, and he plays on the DP World Tour as well. He's 16 to one. It, the, the board is so wet right now, Greg. I wonder if there's anyone that you've been looking at. I mean, do you like my, my thought about Colin Morikawa around 5-1? to one Because he seems to be, other than Scotty Scheffler, there's no value at 2.5-1 or plus 2.3 to 2.3-1. That's, to me, the guy that I think has the game, that if he continues to finish well in round two as they finish that up, might have a lead going into round three. That's where I think the value is right now, but it's a short price.
7: Yep, it certainly is a short price, and with Scotty Scheffler, he's got so many holes of play still in his round as well, so that could be a really good value, but at the same time, you mentioned it with live betting golf as well. If he goes out there early on, he maybe shoots a bogey or two, that could really be able to represent a little bit of value as well. I know that you were mentioning a little bit on Minwoo Lee. He's someone that I think could be able to be interesting in this one as well. As He's a little bit of a youngster. He's been able to be there in a few events, but he's a guy that has come over and has been able to do a really solid job. He had a nice second round, and he's got a few holes remaining. I think that there's a little bit of value on him. I'm seeing him in most places right around about a 16 or so to one, and yep. something that I always take a look at with regards to golf is we always love those outrights. We always love to be able to get those big caches, but at the same time, maybe looking at a live top five, a live yep. top 10, because just for him to finish in the top 10, you're able to get a plus plus one twenty. That feels like really good value with the way that he's been shooting in this event.
5: Greg, I'm so glad you brought that up. Just another uh, feather in your cap for being the genius that you are, because that is exactly the point that needs to be made. We do love the outrights. And obviously pre-tournament, you mentioned Kitty have a 300 to one last week. Obviously you love that. But the way to, in a way, if you want to look at it, is hedging or to back your wager up, as I mentioned, betting golf, you're going to have to be patient. You might go on a run of, you know, getting a, a couple outrights in a month or six weeks, but you might not win one for a couple months or three months. And the way you can at least profit or at least keep your, you know, your unit size or whatever you end up betting at, at a good clip along with those outrights you hopefully win throughout the year is betting top fives and top tens. And you mentioned midwoo Lee. Uh, you know, plus 280 for a top five. Another guy I'm looking at, uh, Taylor Pedrith, the Canadian. He's a guy that I almost pulled the trigger on in round one uh, for a live bet. I think he was around 25 to one when he was, you know, a couple off the lead. And Pedrith has been up there as well at times. Right now he's minus five. He still has six holes or five holes left, excuse me, shot a 67 in round number one. He's uh, three off the lead and just a, a solid player tee to green. You look at him right now, he's plus 450 to finish in the top five. Uh, so I think you got to look at things like that. I mean, obviously, taking the outrights is always fun, but you take a top ten, you take a top five, and you back your bets up, or you, you do that to obviously be able to profit a little and pay off if you don't win it outright. I think it's a very important betting strategy, Greg, and that's why, to me, golf, you can could, you could do actually, even if you want, a parlay of, you know, top fives or top tens or top 20s, and there's ways to really – win and profit money without having to worry about winning a golf tournament, which we know, Greg, it's like, winning the national championship in college basketball? It ain't easy to do that.
7: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we all remember our good friend, Willie Z. He was always just sort of that bridesmaid Ugh. for the longest of times before he was able to bust through. I mean, we see it with a lot of these guys when it comes to these majors as well, like Lou, you stays in just couldn't win a major for the life of him, but he was always there in the top five and the top 10, rather than being heartbroken time and time again with so many of these, these books now more on the East coast because out here in Las Vegas, there isn't as much of, there aren't as many places that offer these top five and top 10. So if you're out there on the East coast, absolutely take advantage of this, but being able to take a look at those derivative markets, I think that that is something that is very beneficial to do. And I always take a look at that a little bit more with college football as well, because in college football, you've got your top heavy teams where you sort of know that it's going to be two or three teams that win the title, but being able to find that team that might be that fourth team to be able to make a college football playoff, you've got some value there.
5: Yeah, Greg, quick heartbreak story. I was all about Will Zell-Torres from the beginning. A couple years ago when he was battling with Daki Matsuyama in the Masters, I was out in Vegas for it, had him at 100 to 1, 50 bucks to win 5,000. There was that two shot swing. I'm in Vegas. I had my friend log in from Michigan to cash me out if I wanted to. I'll never forget that. But Willie Z, he's going to break through and win multiple majors, my friend. Almost got a thought at the U.S. Open last year. He, he's that guy, though, that's come so close, like Phil Mickelson did for a while. But uh, gotta love the golf betting, and gotta love Greg Gregus Peterson. We got much more to come. Hour number three, Ed, we're gonna get back into some college basketball. Look ahead to the conference tournament games coming up on Saturday. This is Vison the Sports Betting Network.